Hello and welcome back to Let the Credits Roll podcast with me, Liam, and the film connoisseur that we all love, Rob. Um, well, you may have there. noticed. <laughs> Wait, what was that? I said hello there. <laughs> oh, it threw me up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you may have noticed um, in that little introduction that the name of the podcast has changed to Let the Credits Roll as a. Uh, Somehow, before we started this, we missed the fact there's not only one, but quite a few podcasts with the name Roll the Credits, and one has actually quite a, like 100 plus episodes, and we thought, as much as it's, you know, it's a stereotypical name, we'd like to have our own name and not be, have, you know, have the same name as someone else, and it's just by chance, one of the names when we were brainstorming names, Let the Credits Roll was one of the first ones that came up anyway. We just sort of kicked it up, like shortened it a bit because we thought maybe it needed to be shorter. But we've gone back, Let the Credits Roll. So hopefully you like it. Hopefully it's not too long for you and Rob's brain can pay attention to it for long enough to, for the extra syllable. Yeah, I mean, um, like you, uh, you may have seen that some of the uh, artwork and stuff's changed. A couple of these earlier episodes that we've made uh we decided to just like not edit it just because i mean to be honest it's more work for me and it's not really that much of an issue so we're just going to yeah. keep it as it is but from now on we will be addressing it as like the credits roll yeah and and that's what we do we do let the credits roll and yeah. just then discuss it and rob what is the film that we let the credits roll uh so uh blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> so today uh, we're going to be discussing Scarface, which, again, well, I keep I find myself keep saying this. I can't believe that Liam, at this point, had not watched this film, despite the fact it's iconic. And he yep. knows he knows aspects of the film. He knows the quotes. Yep. He's seen the the, the the gifts and whatever else. He's played Vice City, but he's never actually seen the film. So, yeah, this was his first time watching the grand epic that is brian de palma's scarface yeah it's it's actually one of the films i sort of put on the list of films i want us to cover because i knew he had seen it and i've been so desperate to watch it and for whatever reason i just never got around to it i don't know why it's probably the most iconic films ever and one of the most iconic scenes ever and quotes Ever and somehow I've missed it, so I've been really excited to watch this. And you know, on the theme, I've, I've seen The Godfathers, I haven't seen Goodfellas, and I haven't seen Scarface. And I wanted this podcast to be another excuse me to finally get those crossed off the bucket list and enjoy them. So we decided to kick off with the mobster films first with Scarface, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it was a good choice to start off with just because. It's the most wildest one out of the lot, I would say. It's the most like cartoonish one for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I, I, I haven't seen Godfather or Goodfellas, I, I can't compare them. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when we find Godfather or Goodfellas, maybe I'll reference back to these. But Scarface has the has the opportunity just to impress me in its own light. So, what would you all? One sentence review before uh, this one, then, William. Well, as always, it's meant to be a one sentence review, and it never really is. 
It's just sort oh, of true. say a line, a sentence that hits me in the moment at the time. And as you as you may have seen in one of our shorts recently, I mentioned my love for Rush Hour. And um, just watching through this film, I could not get just one line from Rush Hour out of my head. And that was uh, that greed will imprison us all. And that, that, that sort of just sums the feeling, the feeling of the uh, film to me. And that's what I've decided to say in my one sentence. Sentence. Well, it's very ph- philosophical, I must say, even if it is from Rush Hour. Um, well, I think yeah. Rush Hour quotes something else, to be honest, but yeah. <laughs> Probably. It seems a bit, bit, a bit well, highbrow it, for Rush Hour, to be it's fair. Like a, it's, a, a, there's a, it's one of those old Chinese or something fables or something that has a moral oh, to the story, yeah, and yeah, it's the moral yeah. of the story. But yeah. Go on, what's uh, your one-sentence sentence? I think we need to change it from one-sentence review to just one-sentence sentence. Uh, I would say this film is just a wild representation of the American dream. Yeah. yeah, 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 especially for its time. Absolutely, like uh, it's just, it is just the American dream. Like, that's simply why I watch it. I just think like the American dream. That's all I think of when I watch the it. American dream. If you're going down the criminal, criminal <laughs> route, at least okay. Not everyone's American dream is uh... is going and starting a mob family, but yeah, but yeah. Like, just like when, when I watch it, I just think like that's all. Just the American dream. That's all I think of. Like it's just, that is yeah. That, that's, like, that's the same that... with me. Like that that, that line from Rush Hour Two just would not leave my head to watching the film. And the American dream is what just stays in your mind. Exactly. Like, just the Amer- it, 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 I can't think of anything more fitting than that. The American Dream. All right. Well, there you go. There's our one sentence sentence because I wouldn't say either of them are reviews. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm renaming the whole section right now. It's our one <laughs> sentence sentence. And well, that's yeah. It, I mean, it's yeah, as stupid yeah, as a yeah. name as the shit we come out with. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Actually, what we should do, if anyone ever actually listens to this, we need a place where people can comment and say this back. But what is your one-sentence sentence? It, 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 it could be a review, it could be a synopsis, it could just be something that comes to your mind. What is your yeah, one-sentence sentence? Yeah, we've got, sentence? obviously, uh, got Twitter page up, um, we've got, these will be going yes. out on YouTube. So, you know, like, feel free to throw a, a comment at us like on either yeah, one tweet and... us maybe we'll retweet them cause some discussion and yeah Absolutely. let's 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 get that get that going because i want to see what and you, what you can guarantee people's minds. If, if you speak to us you'll get a reply because most of the oh, time yeah. I, I have nothing else going on when i'm at work i'll reply so every single one of you i'll have a chat with you don't worry about it. two two o'clock in the morning oh, yeah, you, you tweet me and say that was a great podcast, but I thought your uh, your take was shit. We'll have a we'll have an hour discussion. That's fine. I'm, I'm fine. Oh, I'm expecting that. a lot of people to disagree with what I say. I'm probably going to have to set a lot of film connoisseurs, a lot of film uh, uh, fanatics. Uh, we we will absolutely engage with you. Just you say the word. Well, that's what makes it more fun. Like this is just that, that's yeah. it. It's just we just want to have fun. Exactly. So on but, that um, note, yeah, yeah, cool. Ah, uh, like, why is this film so 
iconic Liam Bible. Like, for me, I've seen it since I was young. Well, for you, like you say, you've longed to watch this. You specifically requested that we do this as part of this podcast. And why is what why have you always wanted like what what has made it so iconic in in your mind that you specifically had to have like always do this like what what what's kept it going for you well like the whole setting like the whole bobster bobster gangs thing i i love that whole site genre and setting like i love sci-fi i love that like sopranos is one of my favorite tv shows of all time but and if you love this genre i feel like i shouldn't be able to say i love it and love the setting when i haven't seen scarface goodfellas and godfather but i do love it um yeah i think it it appeals to me the most maybe is what i should say and maybe i can say it's my favorite once i've actually watched the most iconic films of the genre um yeah, but yeah, enough. but I think the reason why uh, I thought it was iconic before I watched it is the same now after I watched it, and that's just Al Pacino's performance. Like, oh he, yeah, like he's the perfect person to play that character, exactly how he did. He is it, just he. Oh, so there's a lot of times in films, even films I like, even films I don't, where I lose a little bit of immersion. Yeah doesn't quite feel the character or something doesn't connect right whereas like if that i i could forget that was an actor at all he's just so perfect for the role and just the way he delivers those lines and the iconic say hello to my little friend and just yeah i i think like with opportuno as well like the over-the-top nature of the performance just fits the vibe of yes. the, the film so well. Like, I mean, because obviously Al Pacino's not Cuban at all, and it's like a completely <laughs> yeah. like exaggerated accent, but it just works with the film. Like, yeah. Every, yeah. everything, like his zany, over-the-top, like larger-than-life performance, like the the way the, the, the direction of the film and everything is, it's just... if. It you for me like when I watch this, and it, it, it I'm bringing in like a game at this point, but you could absolutely see why the people who made GTA thought we're gonna make an eighties film and just basically remake Scarface. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was almost upset in the way that I watched GTA. I played GTA Vice City before watching this film because every scene, every something happens, I went. That makes me think so much of GTA Vice City. Oh, that's like GTA Vice City. That's like GTA Vice City. And it's no, it's not. Vice City is like this film. Clearly, when they sat down and made that game, they were like, yeah, we want Scarface. Yeah, it, um, it's literally like Scarface the game. And then yeah. later on, they did actually make a Scarface game. <laughs> but yeah, it's just that his performance is... And as you said, it's over the top. And the way he delivers those over the top lines, like... Just you want to fuck with me? I'm Tony Montana. And yeah, it's just, the language used. And, oh, it's brilliant. And, uh, yeah, it's it's iconic purely because of him. I don't think if anyone else played that role, it would work. The only like times I think of you know other actors that could be so iconic in a role they play, like it felt feels similar to like a Robert De Niro type thing. Though I don't think he could play this character like Tony. Uh, no, uh, like, as, it, as Al Pacino does but that sort of you know, level of iconic see, 
Robert De Niro has like an air of class when he plays these yes. like mafia type roles. Whereas Al Pacino really nails like the sleazy aspect of yes. the character. They've got both of their own bits covered. They they don't cross each other's part. They yeah. Yeah, like De, De Niro's like the traditionalist boss. mafia and yeah. Al Pacino's just like foreign drug dealer, like the same you know level I mean? of iconicness, but very much their own way of doing it. Like, yeah, of definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and Al Pacino it, is uh, uh, Tony it Montana. Will be and Tony Montana is Al Pacino. It will be interesting when we watch The Godfather, actually, because obviously, I don't know if you'd realize this, but Al Pacino is like the main character in The Godfather as well. So yeah. we're going to be watching that's right. yeah. that's two, two really completely to. different performances from the same actor, and it'll be interesting to see which one you think suits him better. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's another thing I'm looking forward to, and that's what this podcast is going to miss, is me being able to write on the two and the actors' performances and the differences. But this film is so iconic, so loud, so... It's in your face all the time. Like, yeah, the, the, it's just like there's there's always like we were talking a bit before like we we started where you were saying like well because we were talking about what what could possibly be like a fault of the film, and I said possibly like the length, and you said like everything in the film like has a purpose, has a reason. Yes, and it's I like really feel it does. Yeah. Like even when I was watching it, I felt like this bit's dragging out a bit. I think, but then I was like, no, it's not. It's the perfect metaphor for Tony Montana's character. Like maybe the film slightly feels like it's dragging out, but that's what I think it slightly feels like for him. Like he's that hunger and fight to get to the yeah, top. Yeah, it's like a speed bump in his life. Sort of and thing. then he sort of realizes, yeah. And then I think he sort of realizes what was it all for? He's rich and he's got everything, but now what? And his wife yeah. is just you know, on drugs. Wild, wild he can't have a kid, and yeah, it's it, it, I f- like that moment in the film where maybe you feel it's dragging out. It hits perfectly with that moment that it syncs up so well. But yeah, every part of that film is needed because it it shows the journey of the character. I don't think it's an A to B to from. You know, it's. I don't think it's all about greed. Just him trying to grab everything, and at the end, the greed kills him. But it's like an A to B to C to D to E. Yeah, um, I mean, like that, that. That brings us on to my next point. Really, is like how, like, say, the American Dream and this film, how they sort of intertwine in like the the eighties specifically. Mm. Like, obviously, with the the whole immigrants coming over, they're like, yeah, I want to live the big life like the Americans do, and you know that this film very much i think is all about like i said the american dream because that's what i mean that is what the film's about right he comes over yeah. from cuba he's had like a shit time like I, he, he's he's come over and he's working in that fucking hot dog van or whatever it is and he's <laughs> he, right across from the nightclub and he sees them all in the fancy cars and suits yeah and he's like he, every night after night he's watching that and he's like i, I want that and the whole film from that point on is him getting what he wants in life. But even even just like in the face of it at the beginning, like I he's, I can't remember exactly when, but he says in the film, like prison in America is better than life in Cuba. Like that's the yeah, American yeah. dream. Even that it's worse, it's still so much better than what he had. 
Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, his character is fueled by why can't I have that? Why can't I have that? Yeah, and, and then like you say, when he has everything, he realizes he's got nothing. Yeah, that's it. It sort of gets to the point where he can't get much more. <laughs> his wife really is she in love with him? Nah, I mean, she's really. just a trophy, isn't she? Like, he she's basically just a take, takes her, takes her from the other guy, Frank. Yeah, and the more that he sort of loses touch with himself and that road and stagnates. Yeah, he loses touch with like, the drugs his, and really yeah. weird, like his roots, like you know, Manny's best friend. And why he wanted it. Yeah. Yeah, and then then he sort of turns to the drugs. And yeah, um, with the iconic yeah. fucking puts his face in the powder. Oh, fucking brilliant! That was and like and the perfect time to do it. <laughs> yeah, like. And, you know, an earlier him in the field would have seen the attack come and seen and had it all planned out, had everything. Planned. Yeah, the greed, like, the, it partly the greed, partly the life. Yeah, he's just blinded, and how it breaks him down. And he, but, he, he get, uh, obviously he gets to the point at the end where he thinks he's untouchable, like he fucks that guy over, and he's yeah. like. Yeah, you're gonna take it because I'm I'm Tony Montana. You're gonna get fucked by me, and you're not gonna have any issue with it. But in reality, like, the the he's lining people up to come raid the house anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It just shows that you know the the lessons of being in the business is don't underestimate the other guy's greed, which is just brilliant. Who's it saying to? And sort of ends up. Being his downfall as well, and don't get high on your own supply. Both rules broken. But yeah, then, definitely. Yeah, but I, I get yeah, like then... everything he, he works towards at the beginning of like the first half of the film, he just completely disregards, and that that is his downfall, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He does it so well, and every scene in it, even if they feel like it, could, maybe, and some of those scenes might have not needed to be in there, but it shows the journey so much better being like. A, B to C to D rather than just an A to B you really get to get all of the factors that contributed to him getting into that position as him, it's not just as easy as greed, there's so much more to it um, so yeah. yeah perfect so what's your favourite part of the film then, like if you had to name like one scene or one theme or anything like what so I find that really and we've already talked about it, my favourite thing is Al Pacino's performance and just his the lines and the way he acts and the, you know he doesn't give a crap and he just does it and the way he every everything he says is a, it could be like a one line and it's witty and it's funny and it's it's so good but we've already sort of spoke about that so one thing I want to that I was really surprised by you know, it, it, it's slightly different idea and I just enjoyed it at the film it made me laugh every time is whenever another person or another character was sort of getting close to his sister it turned into like that horror film moment where the music starts playing <laughs> yeah. and he's staring and it like you could cut those moments out and like put them into another horror film it, yeah it was, definitely. it was it was so funny it felt like you know it's like some kubrick thing or like yeah just <laughs> you could like you, you, you could stick that into, like, now? yeah like, like psycho or something yeah you feel like if you you could literally just take those scenes out, plug them into another film, and like he ends up murdering all those people every time he does it. Like it's so like you could come. It was just the music is perfect, and 
yeah and i remember you saying is it this time that he's going to kick off is it this time he's going to kick off <laughs> yeah because he keeps you on edge yeah you don't know when it's going to happen it's uh... Oh, like you, you're watching yeah. it and you, you hear that music go and you're watching like the awkwardness and whatever's going on in the scene play out with the music and you're just yeah. thinking like is this the one where it's going to blow and then it will sort yeah. of keep you on the edge and then it won't be that one but you'll know like <laughs> the bubble under the surface is slowly getting bigger yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. There's, that's the thing. There's so many things that are like under the surface. There's so many small things that happen in the film that add to the outcome, and all of those little things are just as important as the other. But and I don't think, yeah, a lot. I, I, whenever you see this film, you talk about the film. Everyone just talks about like, oh, it's just greed, and how you know greed ends him. But it's so much more than that. But yeah, that that, that just the music is put. The music of the film, the soundtrack is is amazing the whole way through for all of them. Oh yeah, definitely. But it's the just it, it, it just really hit how it really did feel like a horror film, and it felt like an eighties horror film as well. Like it wasn't just like horror; it was just as eighties horror feeling vibe I got from that as I did from the rest of the film. Yeah. So yeah, sure. weirdly, other than Al Pacino's, just his delivery and performance just is what makes the film so great i, I love that uh, i wasn't expecting it it was something that you know i could have known was in the film and it just hit me out of the blue and i, I loved it but what about you then what's your favorite part my favorite part you know my my favorite part really and it's going to be we're going to get technical but i think like the cinematography like the way it's shot is like that everything's like really vibrant and like it's yeah you can just imagine like when you watch this like it's a it really is a snapshot of 80s miami like even yeah. though i've never been to miami and i wasn't alive in the 80s i just know that this is like a perfect representation of like that sleazy aspect of like 80s miami and mm-hmm. i think like the direction of the film and like it's kind of brings in Al Pacino as well, but you know, the the way that Brian De Palma, the director, gets that performance out of Al Pacino and like sets the tone and obviously decides the the music and whatnot for the, you know, the the horror scenes. Just that I couldn't think that this film could be improved by having someone else direct it. Uh, there are some films that I've seen in my life where I thought like it was good, but I wonder if this would have been better in like so, so whoever else's hands that I was thinking at the time. Yeah. When I watched Scarface, I think like it's just perfect. And I've seen like I've seen a couple of other Brian De Palma films. I couldn't act like off the top I had name him, but he he sort of nails the vibe in every film that I that I've seen him make. And like I say, I just think he makes the film just as much as Al Pacino. Yeah, that's it. That, I think that's what makes an iconic film is, and I don't know if it just, you know, it, it ends up being luck at the end of the day, but you just get the perfect people for the film. And um, yeah, it was perfect. It was great. Yeah, I'm just walking through uh, what else Brian De Palma did. He did the original Carrie movie, which is, again, I think a fantastic yeah. film. Um, and else has he done? Like he, he did the first Mission Impossible, 
again, one of oh, my favourites. Yep. Um, Colito's Way, which I have actually not seen and you've not seen. No. There's another we'll like gangster one. In my mum, like that's one of her favourites. So you know, we'll, when we get to that one, we'll, we'll bring mum back for another, you know, review. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else has he done? So uh, yeah, he did. He did carry. Um, yeah, so he did carry, and then he obviously went on to Scarface a couple of years later. Uh, did the Untouchables, which is another uh, gangster one, which are which is meant to be really good. Right? I've not seen. I think that was even mm. with Sean Connery. And um, right. so yeah, he's got he's got a bit of pedigree about him, Brian De Palma, and I, I think it comes through when you watch Scarface, when you can tell. Oh yeah, him and Al Pacino in that film—they were perfect for each other. Yeah, definitely. So it brings us on actually to an aspect that we we both agreed actually when we were talking about this. Like, what didn't we like? And since you brought up the idea, you know, the every time someone's fucking with his sister, he gets the horror music on. We both agreed that because. Like, it is obviously like an, an an incestual like theme in the movie where he's like obsessed with his sister. Uh, I I I don't I don't think it really is necessary to the film, but then I feel like they'd have to have another reason for him to to maybe have the psycho moments. So would it work if they changed it up? I don't know, but. What do you see? Think? That's it. I started, I disagree with you. Like, yeah, I found the bit where it got like it hinted, well, not hinted, it shoved an ancestral view into your face. But until she was in his house saying, "Oh, come on, and you want me fuck you know this and that," I never once thought until that point it was an ancestral thing or he wanted her in that way. I just thought it was about power, control and like genuine love and care for his sister and he just knows that everyone else is shit see, he uh, wants to make I, sure she doesn't have anything i didn't get one vibe of incest see, until see, that scene see yeah. i um i would agree with you on that um up until that point it is just like a obsessed with like no one touches my sister like you, yeah like, overprotective but apparently in because well, we, we haven't touched upon this yet, but in the because uh, obviously Scarface, this one is a, is a remake or a reboot. We've discussed reboots the better yeah, term. We think reboots uh, it, It's a reboot of a 1930s film, which basically the core concept's the same, but it's in uh, Prohibition, Chicago, and in that film is also based on a book, but in the 30s film. They added the incestual element to the film, and I think if you read the synopsis of that film, I haven't watched it yet, but we probably will get to it. Um, it is actually in the synopsis that his relationship with his uh, sister is like a core, like part of the film and why uh, part of his downfall, I believe. So mm-hmm. they added that into the film, and it isn't in the book. And then Brian De Palma and Oliver Stone, who wrote this, they obviously brought that forward into this film but maybe they played it down a little bit so like you, you do get the hint of it at yeah. the end but it's not fully like throughout the film it was played down for the time but also 
I don't think like the reason. I think another reason, other than being uncomfortable, obviously just because it's the topic of incest. I think it was more uncomfortable as well because I didn't think it was in any way that way. And the fact that she was doing it, I think she was just so distraught and so fed up of his power mm. and control over her that she just went there because. I mean, I, I've got, I've got to admit, like that this, like the the, the element that we're talking about i've watched it a million times and it it never really occurred to me that that was that that theme his intent but when, but, yeah. but when we were obviously after we watched the film and i i'm looking up things and i'm i'm thinking like you know little little bits to, to talk about in the film and it, apparently it, it was meant to like be hinted at that way as a result of the the original film so yeah, I guess. I think it, if that is the original intent, then I don't like it. But I never got that vibe until I read that. So maybe I don't like it as part of a perceived perception of the film rather than something that's actually in the film, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think his reaction, because afterwards, I feel like he does sort of hit Earth a bit, and that's why... You know, before he sticks his head in the powder, uh, I think he comes to realize what he did. And I think that, you know, it's not, he doesn't say it, but the way he acts and the way he responds and the way he says, you know, Manny's name and his sister, I feel like he immediately regrets that. He immediately, because of it was the heat of the moment and the drugs and everything building up him, yeah, but I think he, in the film, you do even see him realize he would have wanted his sister to be with Manny and he would have been happy with that. And I think he just says that to her and, and the way he acts on his own, I feel like, and that's what makes me think it wasn't an ancestral thing at all from his character's point of view, because and it was just more power control and protection of his sister because mm. only after he, you know, gone too far and couldn't put it back, couldn't his brother in arms that, yeah, they, they, he really would have actually been happy. And I think the way she says, we were going to surprise you because they got married and they were going to surprise him with telling him, which makes me think, he they think, obviously he was always in control, but if they were going to surprise him with it, they think they thought he was going to be happy with it. And, mm. and the fact that when he answers the door and he sees him and sees her, you, you don't see... Manny and his sister Gina like immediately shit themselves. I was expecting him to open the door, see Tony, and go, "Ah, oh, fuck!" Like shit himself, but he stayed smiling. He was happy. It was as yeah, because like, yeah, he thought Tony would be happy for him. Yeah, so that's why if it was ancestral, you think Manny definitely would know that there was those sort of sort of thoughts from Tony to Gina. That I don't know, Woody, because it would be it, like a repressed. To be that close as they were, see, I just, I don't know that, that 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 reaction and the way those characters acted around it. I don't think, as Harrods person, he had those thoughts. Um, I can, but I can see why in the moment after the horrificness of what happens, why Gina does what she does, not because she thinks he is, just she's trying to get at him. She's angry. She's upset. And yeah, like, I think. I think when we 
when we eventually get round to the 30s version, mm. we'll probably, when we do a podcast on that one, we'll probably have a better mindset talking about this topic yeah. because we'll have seen how it was intended in the 30s one and we'll know if if it was that way or not because of how it was in the original. Because at the moment, yeah. we're theorizing is that part of the character's motives or not, or is it just what the well, Even is if it, it is in the other film, I don't think it is in this film. And that's why, mm. like when you first said remake, I was like, I don't think it is. It's and we settled on reboot. Like it's the same story and theme. But yeah, it's, just it's completely its different own thing in its own way. And you, you mentioned it to Apes, which we've already done. Like the reboot films, similar concepts, but they're way off their own meaning. Yeah, and definitely. That's, that's how I see it. So even if the thirties film is obviously to get that i just don't so, think this film does so now now on to my next question is obviously that was made in the 30s this version made in the 80s could our version be made now and and be anywhere near as interesting or maybe not iconic because i feel like iconic films are not really that there's not many iconic films these days if if, no. if we're being truthful but could it be a worthwhile version do you think do you like could it be done again i don't think a remake could be done at all well like, this a, a, a reboot is so iconic like... and this film that's the thing i think the because the 30s one clearly isn't as big as this one it would be even well, harder well, to well, do I, that, that, and i that... don't think this film feels outdated either so i feel like it's not needed yet because it doesn't well, I, feel i, I would far say from reality. i would say that this film or this story has actually been rebooted multiple yes. times these days yeah. but usually in a tv show format yeah you think like maybe not on a fully similar level but breaking bad it's the same sort yeah. of concept he but obviously it's less about money it's about power that and it's less about the american dream it's just he wants to have power over everyone, but it is the rise and fall of Walter White, and there's, there's yeah, the plenty of others. Um, it's definitely got that never, forever impact on on film. It's it's gonna it's gonna be impossible to not have it influence every future creator and writer and director. Like it's so big, so iconic that it will always have that link. I tell you what, I think would be come after an interesting version of this film like if they were to like redo something like this it would be again we're, we're gonna bring it back to like gta but i reckon gta 4 with nico bowick could be like it's got that immigrant yeah. vibe to it coming to new well, york that's what i was gonna say to you next is like because the modern day is so different to the way it was in the 80s like how would they go to do it would they would it be like a corporate one and like is it like i'm getting like succession would it be like coming over and trying to take over in a corporate way and you could still be illegal and dodgy the way your business runs is it like the wire sort of vibes and it's like a baltimore it's, yeah there's like, and drugs it, like that or i don't see doing it but i yeah. i i can... I feel like it, it couldn't be the same at all as this one. It would have to be so different just, just because the world is so different. Like I say, I feel like every version of, of this story has already been done. You go, 
like billions or whatever seems as it is like the corporate like crime yeah um power is like you know new york drugs you've got top boy is english drugs like it's it's all been done really i don't think I don't think you could make it interesting to to a viewer uh, in one day. Well, you say that, but yeah, thinking back to the Ricky Gervais podcast, and I can't remember what it is, but I can't remember if it was the nineteen twenties where someone said all that there has been, all that there has been can be invented has been invented. Like, and they were saying that back then they thought everything that could be invented has been invented. Yeah, and, you're, and you're I, I right. That's probably the same case with this. You're but right. I know what also, you mean. Like, I, I, you know what it comes down to is what yeah. I was saying. Like, Brian De Palma and Al Pacino make this film what it is, and yes. you would really have to fucking nail that aspect if you were to redo this now. You'd need to have the the, the right director and just that main I don't character. Think it's possible. Uh, I don't think I you can remake uh, or reboot it. It would be the only way it could be successful. Like if it tried to do it and called itself Scarface, then it wouldn't work. It would clearly be a cash grab, and they're just using the name. And any true reboot or spiritual successor, I think, would be the best way. Is the only way it's could well, succeed. What, what, it's something what, what, that stands in its own right, but is influenced by Scarface. Well, I mean, you I think say it's that, impossible well, to successfully. Well, but they also they, they 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 redid it once. It was thirties. Yeah, but that to the was 80s. again the thirties to the eighties. That's a fifty-year gap. There's that's, a fifty-year gap to the eighty-three now. That's so. It's so different to what it was then. Like, I don't think this film is the same as that film, and I don't think if it was remade now, that film would be the same as this film. Well, so well, yeah, but that, but, should but, it be called Scarface? And I don't think Scarface in the 30s, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Scar- the Scarface film in the 30s was as big or iconic as this film, so maybe it was well, easier to that, do. That, that, this comes to my, my next point, um, which we were going to talk about some trivia, and this film was actually like not very successful at all when this game came out and i believe it was the 16th most like successful film of the year at the time and actually uh where was it I read it somewhere just uh let's see here we go Scarface was actually not a huge success at first. These days, Scarface is a cult classic. At the time, though, it was not a success. With a budget of somewhere between 23 and 37 million, the film only made 66 million worldwide. So it only just made a profit. Yeah. So, it, again, it's one of those films, there's plenty of these films as well over like over time that it get it became more iconic as the decades went on and you you could probably say i mean let's be honest not many people now are willing to watch a film from 90 years ago which would be the 1932 film yeah so you never know you could say if they made a film in 2025 that by 2050 that could just be as iconic as this one you wouldn't you never know do yeah yeah that's true but I think because of how big and iconic this one is, like I say, you would have to be a special duo with what it'll be, a director it'll be and actor. A spiritual success, yeah. Um, but my problem is if like 
because of the way the world is right now. Anyone, anything that gets to use that title, Scarface, you know, it's mostly going to be a cash grab. You would hope it would be a passion project so they get the right people involved. But at the end of the day, I feel like they'll, it won't be as good because really it'll be the big company at the top wants money. Yeah, I, I, I could agree with that. Like, unless you actually know the director, you know, like if mm-hmm. like, a, like say, uh, who, who could I name? Like, I said, Denny Villeneuve, guy who did Blade Runner and Dude, or Ridley Scott, or, you know, like a big name. And you just know, like, they've got pedigree behind them. Whereas if it was just, like, some random director that he's maybe made one or two films that might have been a hit or a semi-hit, you'd, you'd yeah. sort of know what you're getting into, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, in terms of, like, other bits of trivia that I've read, though, is mm. um, Al Pacino actually was the driving force behind this film. He watched the yeah. original film, and he went to his manager and was basically like, I want to make this, like, like get it done sort of thing yeah i read that as well like he was actually massively involved and he wasn't just like a hired actor to fit oh he was massively a pushing force in it which is again why i think it's so iconic and and works and i feel like that would have to be a similar thing for a reboot successful it would have to be a passion project of people that go after it rather than it being the big company uh, i don't don't know if you've uh, seen this as well but i've just seen this is that Robert De Niro was offered this film before Pacino stepped in. I, it wouldn't have been as good. I'm sure it would have been good, and I'm sure he would have done well, but it wouldn't have been. It would have been a totally different vibe. They wouldn't have been yeah. able to make the same film it would have at felt all. So different. And I think it gives because I read another bit, and I think that fits into this. Is you know the scene where he has her in the car uh, early on, and yeah, she's trying to make it. She has no yeah, interest yeah. in him, and she's trying, and he takes the hat and wears the hat. Yeah. And it makes her laugh. That was literally not scripted. That like he literally just did that a shot, and her reaction was genuine, and she did really well to stay in character, and it fit perfectly. And I feel like like yeah, yeah Al Pacino absolutely. just felt the vibe of the film, and the film felt the vibe of him, and it's like moments like that that made that made it. And yeah, that's why I feel it's Apparently, his. It's, um... Really, I feel like it's his. Yeah, it's his and the director's film. It's just yeah. Apparently, Steven Spielberg directed a scene of this film. I'd love to know which scene that was. Really? Yeah, it says here, Steven Spielberg oh, yeah, was, was, yeah, was, was visiting the set and De Palma was like, you know, do you want to shoot a scene? I'd love to yeah, know what scene they were that friends was. And they very regularly visited each other's sets. I remember reading that. Like They, they did that often. And it yeah, says here, uh, I'll it here, it says, Spielberg was on hand for one of the days of the shooting uh, for the shooting of the Colombian's initial attack on Teddy Montana's house at the end of the film. So De Palma let Spielberg direct the low angle shot where the attackers first enter the house. That's cool. I like it when stuff like that happens. Yeah, it's like exactly. how um, when like directors and actors like have cameos on set and stuff just because they're around. Yeah. Like, it's like um, but... you ever seen? You, you've seen Euro Trip, right? The no, whole no. Scotty doesn't know song. You, you, you've not seen that? No. Never. Right. I'm so, pretty sure it will ring bells once I take a look. No. So, no, I haven't it, seen it. I've heard of it. So, I've not seen it. So in in Eurotrip, um, the directors obviously like Eurotrip's like a proper like it's not a highbrow film at all. It's just a cheat yeah, comedy, isn't it? Like but, yeah, like American Pie sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So what what happened with that is is they were filming a scene, and 
the director was just like, I wonder if there's any like actors around that we can get to cameo in the film. And Matt Damon was 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 in the city or something at the time, and that's how the iconic Scotty doesn't know song came about because <laughs> Matt Damon just came in and played a um, a sleazy rock star on the set and made the song. Yeah. I, I I like what just like little bits yeah. like that where like it's like their own bit of personality enters the film. Well, that's what I think when films and TV shows where things come up on the spot and spontaneity and and uh, you know trial and error and you know just trying things doing things loads of different ways just letting everyone explore the characters so that's when things become its best and it also then changes gives you ideas of things down the line absolutely like, yeah absolutely yeah and that's one thing i read that i really liked and i think that it adds to why this film feels so loud and extreme and in your face it was that the firearms were equipped with electronic synchronizing devices so that they would only fire when the camera shutter was open so all the muzzle flashes were really visible and constant and like in your face all the time. That's and like, I feel like that. that sort of detail and thought and like it really adds to the feel because those scenes are so violent, so loud, so in your face. And the muzzle flashes, I feel, contribute so much to like the feeling and the action. It's just little things like that that I thought was so cool. And I really, when I read that, I really enjoyed that because I was like, that's great. Because that really big, like that small thing had a, such a big contribution, I feel. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic book. But yeah. It's... So, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Well, something just did jump to mind because we were talking about things we didn't like about the film. And you mentioned the incest thing, but I never got to say the little thing that I didn't like about the film because beforehand oh, yeah. when I was trying to think about something I didn't like about them I, I can't really think of one which sort of made me feel bad at night because I, I think this film is incredible and maybe one of the greatest films of all time and I don't think almost anything wrong with it which then but then it isn't probably one of my favourite films of all time which is weird but one thing that really annoyed me is um, Tony Montana's mother um, right. And I think it, made, it was more obvious to me because of the film, which is a film Rob hasn't seen. And eventually in this podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll spin it about and I'll show Rob some films that I've seen that he hasn't seen. And the film Goal, I love the film. I'm thinking about it now. That could be one of my Desert Island films. But anyway, um, the, the mother you know, of Tony Montana is in that film. And because I knew she was in that film, I knew how old she was. So I had to look it up. And she's like four years older than Al Pacino or something. <laughs> and it just really. annoyed me. It's like, how can she be his mother? They look, even in the film, they look the same age, similar age. And that always, and that was another thing in the film. Where I was like, how old is he meant to be? Because I feel like he's meant to be a young, young adult coming over. But he does look older. Well, how so, old would he have been? So that's a lot. Because his he's, he's sister, I think, is, I think is he's 20. In his 40s. Yeah, I feel like he's meant to be early 20s, <laughs> but I swear he's like 40s. So when no, he's, made, no he's, not, he's not meant to be early 20s because he's in, he did talk about him being in the army and all sorts. Yeah, but you can be in the army and have a gang. Uh, like, I think like 25 to 30, maybe. Like, I think more 23 to 28 is where I would think. I wonder if there's an official. Oh, oh, I think I, I think he is meant to be in his forties. 
How old is well then? How old is his mother? Who looks at who's, who's she's in? Well, I mean that, that's just like dodgy casting. <laughs> Obviously, the film's played out over a period of time. That, right. Yeah. Okay. I'd like so, to know how old he is when he gets off the boat? It can be assumed that Tony is in his early to mid thirties. Yeah, I, I get the vibe that he was like maybe 25, 28, and seeing his mother be like literally just the same age as him, and just because of goal, knowing that she has to be around the same age as him in real life, that just stuck in my head the whole way throughout the film. And I know that's not a bad thing about the film. It's so, so someone bad. asked it this. From, hey, someone asked this in twenty twenty on Reddit actually. So let's see what people said. Oh, I just found something. Yeah. He was supposed to be in his mid-30s. Um, I read it in a magazine, VHS box, way back in the day. He was 37 um, when the film was made. So mid-30s would be about right. And it, it, it would fit, uh, I think, because... I mean, if you think I like... I disagree. Like, you, on, like, like, it. Bring it, world. Like, like you think like... You my my, my sister is 20 years... Here and I'll fight. My sister's 20 years younger than me, remember? Yeah, my youngest brother is 16, 17 years younger so, than me. So, I mean, it's not unheard of, is it? But the, the, the issue, obviously, I is the mother. I and his mother, not yes, the but sister. The, the, yeah, yeah, but the mother is just dodgy casting. I don't know. I just... It's not that big a deal. It just it just would be the it, she, they'd probably I, I just say the, 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 the mother was probably paid like fucking $10 because no one knew who she was. <laughs> What are you on about? She's in goal. She's a icon. She was in goal <laughs> fucking 20 years later. Yeah, it might have had a career by then. Well, I'm joking, mate. Goal's not the most iconic film. I think it's got its cult following and those that love football in the film. Well, like yeah, that. but I mean, you know, tw- yeah. 20 years on, you know, she might have starred in a few like, TV movies. She might have been in her body. If she was in goal, she probably would have turned down Scarface because goal was too highbrow. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to what uh, you watching goal because just to see it in terms of a football film for a football film, it's brilliant. Oh, it I mean, similar no, no. it's similar to this. It's got like the American Dream kind of, but he goes because he originally. Uh, I, I, I feel the America. same about. Um, there's only one Jimmy Grimble football wise. That's my football film. I got football. I haven't seen that. It's well, that that that'll be the we'll uh, swap football the, the football. Yeah, the football exchange. <laughs> okay, well that'll come up. Oh, well, on that note, I don't know, but on that note, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's time for you to say your iconic one. Uh, I don't know now if you're leading to. Well, I mean, you've really you, I don't know if you want me to quote the film or you want me to say what we always say at the end. Well, well you know, it's the thing you say at the end every time. You know, it's your iconic. Okay, part. I don't know if you're saying iconic because. The- I'm not. I don't. I don't think you're Tony Montana, do I? Do you, 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 you've no, got your I line. I don't know if you just wanted me to quote Tony Montana. What do you mean you've got our line? This, oh, you've got. You've this, got. This, you've got your line. That you say. It's not like we fabricated this. This just came naturally from yeah, our exactly. old days. People might yeah. know us from a, a brief spell on YouTube with football manager videos, and it developed naturally for a joke with our friends. So it's like a fabricated line. Don't make it sound like, oh, just like off the production line, man. But, yeah, God, where is this going? But I, 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 I don't get know what I you want, I, and then what everyone wants, and then what Lloyd wants. So, we'll, we'll just pretend this didn't happen, and um, we'll see you in the next one. See you in the next one.
I genuinely didn't know if you wanted me to like make an Al Pacino thing. I didn't know you were going to say hello to my little friend.